is Sports Arena and his Extreme Rewind. Your weekly look into the world of extreme as we look at ECW Hardcore TV from episode one all the way to 401 with every pay-per-view and special in between. And of course, as you can probably all guess, we say that because it is pay-per-view week as we finally get to Guilty as Charged 1999. You got myself, Paul, and I'm joined as always by Jay. What's happening, Jay? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And if you were to say that I was looking forward to reviewing this show, then I would be probably in agreement. That's <laughs> fair. It's um, it's WrestleMania week, but you know we've been throwing on social media. This this is our and and it is an absolute week now, even more than before. With WrestleMania over two days, Takeover to over two days, and everything. Yeah, it's 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 WrestleMania month. And we don't mean the month review. That's in there. Yep. That's <laughs> people's must listen. Um. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't. Uh, we were talking off air. We didn't, I, I generally didn't realise what a week this was in wrestling this time in 1999, let alone this pay-per-view. I mean, this we'll probably get into it at some point. So basically, you had this pay-per-view, but on the fourth, you had the famous uh, Mankind Raw um, sort of title win. You had the finger poke of Doom on Nitro, which is just a little bit after Goldberg. So, so there's so much going on in 99 at the moment. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, 99 started hot, you know, and, and you kind of forget how hot it started. But yeah, 99 wasn't fucking around, was it? And you kind of feel bad that ECW probably had, I'd say, one of their biggest title matches in sort of history. Yeah. So so close to the finger poker doom and the Mankind switch because it kind of a bit like, fucked. You know, you have their biggest thing like a week after these two massive sort of bits. So, but it's January the 10th, 1999, with an attendance of 2,600, which I found slightly shocking. But it felt bigger. It did feel it bigger. It did feel bigger. They, they're great at doing that. I mean, it's so hard to, to gauge these arenas from like the Fed to, um, all of these, you, you wouldn't think that you know, Raw's getting like twenty thousand and ECW's getting like two and a half. It doesn't feel that different. Like, I mean, the the, the blocking they've done on it is um, obviously very very good because you know they it felt big, it felt full, and and actually you know that many people isn't big or full. So yeah, they did a really good job of kind of stacking them on top of each other. And making them sound loud. I think so. The live gate, I mean, the buy rate even, was around 75,000 with the live gate of about 80K. So, you know, feels feels decent. Mm. So there's a little bit of little bit backstory to there. Um, yeah, the show kicks off with Heyman saying he's not going to lie and the card is going to change. Masato Tanaka isn't here. Jerry Lynn is still injured. So um, there's going to be changes. I mean, we knew this going in, obviously, because you know we, we know we'll this. we're in 20 years in the future, and we've seen this before. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it still got to a bit where, like last week, we were just like, we know that Lynn doesn't fight, you know, Lance Storm. We know that Masato Tanaka, you know, doesn't face Rob Van Dam, even though I don't think that match ever happened, and that's criminal in itself. 
because um, yeah, twenty years later, I felt like we were teased with this match. I kind of sat there and thought, "That'd be a, a fucking good match." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's unreal. That, that could headline any ECW pay per view. That's insanely good match. Or no ECW pay per view. That as well. But we'll get to um, great matches that could happen that didn't um, later on. I guess. <laughs> Uh, this would be a theme on this show. I mean, we did talk about, as you said, we've talked about the changes and we talked about how this was a weird build by their standards because this is the one that they seemed to actually kind of, you know, actually hype the matches and hype the card and get the timings right in the sense that it didn't feel like the build finished six weeks before the pay-per-view was due to happen. Yeah. Um, but, just was snake bit and just, you know, everything, everything didn't quite work out for them. Um, so it was a really interesting kind of shuffle on a lot of it. Yeah, no, massively. But, um, you know, the matches we did get, I mean, yeah, I'm mean, obviously we get to it, but yeah, I think overall it was pretty solid, but we'll start off. Um, Joe Styles in the ring welcomes everyone to the event. Um, starts off with Danny Dorian and Roadkill versus FBI. Um, obviously, it kicks into freeway in a minute. Uh, Danny Dorian's T-shirt that he was wearing. Did you have a chance to look at that? Um, I, I I noticed it, but I didn't stop it enough to read it. I believe that was Rob Black's company at the time. In a weird kind of... XPW future situation. Yeah, because um, yeah, obviously relationships were probably different, but I'm pretty sure the, I'm not sure if it was company or something, but that t-shirt has, was sent to Rob Black. I remember seeing about it saying not too long ago. So it's Danny Doring's fault. It is Danny Doring's fault. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, this match basically quickly turned into a freeway dance with balls and axle coming out. Now, I mean, we talk about uh, a lot. We talk about watching back with 2021 sensibilities, a 1999 show. Yeah. Um, but the bit that still fascinates me, still, still horrifies me, still amazes me, still makes me cringe is the face pop that you get by coming out and saying, we're here because you lot are dancing around like a bunch of homosexuals. Yeah. And the crowd go wild because, you know, that's right. It's only gay men dance and that's bad. And, and, and it's just kind of like really amazing. That's, that's, a, that's a, a heat-seeking line and not in a heat-seeking, a whole kind of like, you know, trying to get them over his heels. That's, that's, that's the, the, the face pop of like, yay, they're here to save us from the, the, the dancing homosexuals. Uh, it's obscene, isn't it? Really, really sort of. Look it's back just and... nuts, and it's just it, it just is just one of those things of, you know, different era, different time. I get, but you know, just just mental. Yeah, but Axel Rotten's no, back. A... <laughs> I love Axel Rotten, even though. I don't know if I can say that after that, but yeah, I do. I think he's. Um, I it's a t- it's a time and place thing, isn't it? And and it is. I mean, later on, you have the sort of the you know, sort of get your tits out chance that sort of... Constantly, and, and she's a man, and yeah. Yeah, and it's like stuff that you kind of think, oh, wow, but it's just, um, I don't know, it's 
it's, you, you just have to say it was of error, but it's just sort of hard to say that. But it was. no, and it's and it's not just Axel Rotten, and it's not just um, uh, ECW. You know, we we've talked before about the um, the 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 face turn of Gold Dust. Um, yeah. You know he, how he turned face was that he he wasn't gay and actually was sleeping with Melina, um, not Melina. Was Melina? Melina? Terry, yeah, Terry Reynolds. It was Melina. I'm sure she's called Melina. She's now. Mm-hmm. Who was the one with Marlena? Marlena. Marlena. Yes, Marlena. Yeah, um, Marlena. Marlena. Yeah, Melina being Eminem's manager. And Melina. Yeah. Marlena. Melina. Marlena. Jesus. Marlena. Uh, Marlena. Marlena. Yeah. So we got a freeway dance here, everyone. I could be- I'm interested. Yes, we uh, have. Axel's back. Axel's back. I thought it was um I thought it was quite a fun match to be honest with you. Um a big sale was actually with him for the first time officially, sort of I guess. Yep. So it's good to and see him with it. Big Guido. Big Guido is there as well. I'm not sure if he sticks around, but he's there for now. Be interesting. Um one day we should look into just how many members the FBI actually had. Because they could rival the NWO. They've had a lot, even for one nighters. They've had a lot of members, no? They've had twelve incarnations. There you go. I didn't realise you were so far. Well, because even it was even in the Fed, wasn't it? They had um, sort of Vito and Chuck Palumbo and Johnny the Bull and all that lot were in it, weren't they? So um, Wikipedia says. Uh, first incarnation was ECW 96 to 99. Big Don Tommy Rich, main man Tracy Smothers, Little Guido, Davey Piazzono, Mabel, the Italian ja- Stallion J.T. Smith, Sally Graziano, Big Guido, Ulf Herman, and One Man Gang. Yeah. Second incarnation is year 2000, which is Little Guido, Tony Mamalik, and Sal Graziano. Then you've yeah. got the third incarnation, which is WWE, which is Nunzio, Johnny Stamboli, and Chuck Palumbo. Then uh, that was 2003 to 2004. Then 2005 to 2006 in WWE, they're back again with Nunzio and Vito. Um, number five is New Wrestling Evolution, which is Johnny Stamboli and Chuck Palumbo. Okay. Six is ECW. WWE ECW, which is Little Guido, Trinity, Big Guido, and Tony Marbaluk. Seventh is JAPW, Jersey All Pro, which is Little Guido and Tracy Smothers. Eighth is Body Slam Pro Wrestling, uh, Body Slam Wrestling Organization in 2010, which is Nunzio and Tony Marmaluk. Then number nine, they're in TNA, which was Guido Maritano, Tony Luke, Tracy Smothers, Sally. Ten is in TNA as well, and that's Guido and uh, Tony Luke. Yep. Eleventh uh, is Elite Extreme Wrestling, which is Stamboli, Vito, and Palumbo. And twelfth, which in 2018 was in Rocket City Championship Wrestling, which was Tracy Smothers, Charlie Swingatore. Bugs O'Malley and James Brando. Wow. So a shit ton of people, basically. 
Yes. Um, two-time ECW tag champs, one-time JAPW champ, two-time cruiserweight champ for Nunzio, and the Yamaha Cup from uh, uh, Toriumon, which is one. Mexican. Which one I remember. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the one that put them on the map, I think. Uh, yeah, we got a freeway dance. <laughs> Uh, fast pace, ball stands out. I think again, uh, I, I like. Yeah. I think uh, balls does great. Axe does great. Um, they pick up the win in this, which I think is a good way to kick off a pay per view. I mean, obviously, I've been critical in the past about ECW kicking off pay per views. I, I felt they should always kick it off with like a sort of hot star, and I think they've what done a it great with these match. Two. Yeah, they've done it with these two here. They sort of um, they kicked it off with some people that will guarantee the pop. Um, and stuff like that. So they win, they get their chair shots of the big boys afterwards. And uh, yeah, Bulls and Axel get a win and pay-per-views up and running. Yeah, I mean, it's a fine enough match. Um, you know, gives the crowd what they want. Um, exactly. Yeah. Go um, backstage, you get a quick promo from Terry Funk. Talks about hating Jake the Snake. When does he, how much Dream bleeds? And then pretty much tells the crew to get the fuck out. Yeah. Simple, really. He's here. Was this the one about the, the, the jackass? The, 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 the donkey or whatever it was. I believe so, That yeah. kicked his dad. So his dad just, like, cut his throat and killed him in front of... I thought that story escalated. I, I don't know where I thought that story was going, but um, it wasn't to... The, the killing it route but it did and um yeah i mean it, it it did kind of you know he kicked him one time and so he just like murdered him it was a little <laughs> bit um strong <coughs> it was a bit strong it happened and if terry funk said it it's real um so yeah he's he's here obviously to support just incredible this evening his match against tommy dreamer later on um International Dream Match. I've dubbed it that. I don't think they called it that. Tajiri versus Super Crazy. Obviously, the last couple of weeks, we've seen both of these two debut. Um, they're now mixing up in a match themselves. Obviously, the first meeting, this isn't Tajiri as we sort of know him. He's sort of very much still in his blue trunks rather than sort of the, the long sort of sort of black tights that we sort of see him in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still crazy match. Great match. Amazing match. Um, yeah, I mean, he is, he's, he's, um, you know, a, a very clean club, clean cut, plucky, baby face kind of uh, wrestler. But uh, yeah, you know, really strong match, I think. Um, uh, you know, just, just absolutely went for it. Some great styles from the, I mean, I think they said that they'd wrestled before a couple of times. Um I mean, they must. The chemistry is like they—they they must off the chart. Just, yeah, yeah, off the chart. Um, and they just, you know, seem crisp. I mean, it sounds like Tajiri in his in his wonders had done some Mexican work, so knew how to work um, a Japanese lucha style, um, and it really came across. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, super crazy second match, Tajiri's. Third, yeah, um, we've seen anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Super Crazy was looked all right on the first match, but this is, 
you know, this is this is prime super crazy now. Um, oh, and Tajiri's just building. To his, um, his ECW branded gear as well. So yep. He's obviously used here for the long haul because the, the trunks of the ECW one, rather than the sort of the tassels that we saw in his um, debut. But um, yeah, crazy, no pun intended, but yeah, crazy match. These two, you know, fight forever and they do fight forever. Yeah. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, the, 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 the jury picks up the win. But I don't think that's necessarily the story. I think it's just um, a great match. So he hits, he wins with the dragon suplex, which. Yep. Um, Took uh, yeah, I, I, again, you know, so it's like his move, which means, you know, that makes perfect sense, in which case Taz back off. Um, yep. You know, you've, you've got the other 92 suplexes you can do. If that's his finish, then, you know, respect that and don't use it to, to break Sabu's neck um, in such a heinous and vicious and devastating way. Um, put him on the shelf for ages. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Tajiri looks good with, with the dragon suplex and um, uh, the finish. I, I do prefer him with the buzzle kicks and the, the brain buster, but that's just because that's the Tajiri that I'm more used to, I think. Yeah, no, I don't think... Um... He's far away, to be honest. So it feels like they're they're on the work on on the way there, aren't they? On the move. So yeah, great um, first encounter that we've seen of these two. Um, next up, Cronus is out, comes out, he's in the ring against the mystery opponent, uh, Jeff Jones. I don't know if he's um, was he officially dubbed as Judge Jeff Jones. He 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 officially dubbed himself. Um. So before we go into Jeff Jones. Cronus, yeah. um, the investment in Cronus seems to have dropped out quite drastically, hasn't it? I mean, his trunks are, you know, he's on he's on the the reverse New Japan Young Boys kick here, isn't he? In the sense that he is just becoming more and more plain as it goes down. Yeah, he's he's somewhat like gimmickless now. Obviously. We've said that it's been documented. He had a lot of issues, and um, it's just becoming more apparent. And it's, it's quite sad because, like we said, the guy has never lacked ability, and he could have even done a, a tag team still with someone else with the right partner. And obviously, New Jack isn't the right partner because no. the styles don't make sense. And I, I feel he suffered more in that team because. It's so much easier for New Jack to stand out because his style would be his style when Cronus needs to be able to wrestle to get his sort of style across. But um, yeah, he's um, he's pretty far back in the pecking order at this point, I'd say. Yeah, and just, just falling further and further down and becoming more and more generic and plain as it goes. I mean, we noticed it, obviously, when he was squashed by Big Sal, just for Spike to come out and squash Big Sal. Big yeah. Sal yeah, which was sort of crazy in itself. And um, that sort of happens. But yeah, so basically, Judge Jeff Jones comes out, um, says hello to the crowd, goes on to say that everyone is guilty as charged, um, tells Cronus that last week he hit him with a 450 splash. And he's guilty as charged. 
Um, Cronus sort of does this weird thing where like no one's crazy enough to fight Cronus. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got such a reputation of of being this this kind of badass. That win record's ridiculous. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know why anyone would want to come out and fight him. Yeah, so um, as a shame, basically he introduces the guy who's a little bit psycho and he's the man. And um, yeah, Sid walks out to a massive fucking pop with everyone screaming, he's the man. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is your 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 apeshit ECW um, crowd who um, are anti-everything that is the big two. Yeah. And then lose their mind when Sid walks out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, he, he's, he's, I guess, sort of a more polished nine-one-one, and he sort of in a way. Yep, yep, yep. But um, yeah, he comes out monster pop, and I think he was just told to kill Cronus because because he did. I, he did. He didn't feel like he really sort of protected him. He just absolutely battered the crap out of him. And um, yeah, he got himself choke slammed to the table to the outside. Uh, power bomb, easy free count. Has to say, it's it's, um, it's it's a great debut, really. Yeah, I mean, a very impactful debut. Um, Cronus is just absolutely fed to him. Um, it lasts a minute and a half. Um, and, and, you know, it's a minute and a half because he does, you know, 45 seconds of walking around the ring, kind of shouting at people and getting them even more hyped up. Yeah, um, we're screaming, who's the man all the time? But it works. Yeah. Just, like just it. bizarre, mental. Yeah, we get Sid some... is in ECW. Yeah, no, buzzing to see. Um, obviously, we've just seen a few pay-per-view things in the past, so it'd be interesting to see whatever happened with him on TV, if he's on TV. And how that sort of unfolds, what the overall usage of Wolf City is, because it's one of these like, obviously we saw him on pay per views, but I don't really know what they did with him or how long they had him. So no. I'm actually interested to see Sid's run. Uh, the interesting thing for me again, watching these in in a weird order, in the sense that we saw a load of the pay per views, we saw a little bit of 1995 ECW Hardcore TV on Bravo, not much more else. Um, and the, the ECW pay-per-views came out in a really random way. So it's like, here's the 2000, here's 1996, here's 1998, here's 1997. Um, just really bouncing over the place. Um, so for me, I was introduced to Jeff Jones first as Judge Jeff Jones. Yeah. And then through this, have seen referee Jeff Jones become crooked referee Jeff Jones. So I was interested to see how he became Judge Jeff Jones, and the answer is he decided to. <laughs> I thought that. I thought it'd be more of a story, but he basically just came out, and um, that was done. But and yeah, um, yeah, because it's called story. guilty as charged. That's the end of it. I was going to say a quick backstory, like basically just touch on what you said. Uh, in the UK, obviously, all the ECW videos uh, events came out on video and DVD. Basically, guilty as charged and living dangerously. Ninety nine were the first two yes. that were released over here. So this was our first ECW pay per view that Experience. we saw. Yeah, so you know, it, it's. I think it's just important to bring it up at some point because it's sort of 
sort of touches on everything. So we get the build for Taz versus Sabu. Uh, not Taz versus Douglas, even. And it says at the end, what about Sabu? Um, oh. He's nowhere. He's been taken out. He's crippled. He's He's been taken out. His third hit from Taz. Neck was broken. There is no Sabu. Sabu is done. Sabu is living rent-free in my head. I can't stop booking him in this match. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like Joey Styles was narrating this on the network, if I remember. But I feel like the real video, I feel like Heyman was narrating it. I'm not sure if they changed the music or whatever. But I can't remember if Heyman was narrating it or not. I don't know if I'm going crazy or getting confused with another show. But I, I mean, there's enough of them. Yeah, um, so I feel like Styles has re-edited some of these. Potentially, with, yeah. With yeah. music that obviously wasn't so thing. But um, yeah, so that's happening tonight. I don't know if anyone knows. Um, Dudley Boys aren't supposed to have a match, but they are coming out. Um, I can't wait for Peacock to meet Joe Gertner. Everyone's Everyone I feel doesn't watch wrestling always goes, oh, wait till Peacock find New Jack. I think New Jack didn't actually kill people. He's just had hardcore matches. Yeah. You know, so him in ECW isn't actually going to be this sort of the insane. No. Yeah. Joe Gertner, he could be the uh, line. That, that, Dudley Boy's, you know. Dudley Boy's heat waves, that, that's more of a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the bit. And uh, yeah. Joe Gertner is... is um, He's 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 a character. He still makes me. Um, he does make me chuckle, wrongly yes. or rightly. But um, yeah, no, I, I think Dudley Boys is going to be more but, of an issue for Peacock than New Jack. I mean, Joel Gertner's whole thing is that he's, you know, this this quintessential stud muffin. He's this he's this you know, sexiest you know, Lothario and all the rest of it, and it's all. Um, you know, set up against this ridiculous-looking um, guy with with you know his 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 jacket on and the neck brace and all the rest of it. So it's all meant to be a piss take in regards to you know it's all it's all obviously him lying yeah. about all of this, um, but being very clever in in you know how he puts it all together and and the uh, the rhymes and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he 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 is. I was going to say he gets close to the line, but no, you, I, I, there are points where you can't see the line anymore <laughs> from where he stands. It's like the whole um, sort of bar thing, isn't it? Which is like we are the bar. I, I feel like it's with him, he is he is the line. <laughs> you know, yeah. not many not many go past. No, his uh, little promo. No, get into conversations about you know 42 year old mothers and 21 twin 21 year old twins um yeah which again like i said i can't lie i do i do think his promos are you know of time and they you know do you know they are quite funny and they, are, they are designed to get absolute white hot heat yeah and the dudley boys and- as well it's the whole it, it, it's like the the story it's making people laugh it's in sort of Bubba turning around and go we don't want your applause we don't need your approval Johnny, it's just the heat on the heat on the heat I just yeah. kind of sit there and I watch the Dudley boys obviously you know 
Fast forwarding, because I don't feel it's relevant, is they face New Jack and Spike, who come out. Um, great match, but the Dudley boys do win. Because yeah, I don't think that's the story here. I think everything around is the story with this. Yes. Um, Spike's wearing New Jack's clothes. Yeah. Um, which, interestingly, are the same trousers he seems to go on to wear in his, his WWE run. That's interesting. Probably, wouldn't be surprised if they are exactly the same trousers. But, um, which... Yeah, so which that- I found was weird, but yeah. But I just find the Dudley boys with the beat down, with the strength in numbers, with the promos, with the heat, is everything that I thought the triple threat would be. Yeah. They are the dominant faction in ECW, in ECW history. It's just fact. You know, love yeah. the triple threat, love the people in it, love what they could have been, but these guys are the fuck you hills and uh, yeah I mean they they are the most consistent kind of strong beat down team since RVD Sabu and Jerry Lawler yeah uh, you know it was the same thing you know that it's three people and they can keep coming but those three are just so brutal that they can take everyone out yeah. um, D- Dudley boys are the ones where you're basically you're sitting in the front row they're sort of terrorising someone you're laughing and joking along with them. They turn around, look at you, and go, "What the fuck are you laughing at?" Yeah, and just suddenly just switch on you. They're them. They are just. They are so sort of. They could be the the white hot kind of, with the way they just provoke. Like I know later on it gets even worse, but yeah, wow, they are they are riots. Um, um, I mean, the bit that surprised me that I realised when I was watching this is I don't think I realised how long Big Dick Dudley was with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, was he number three of the Dudley family? Um, oh. Was he after Dudley and Snot? Yeah, it might have been one of the... Yeah, he's before... It was before Bubba and Devon. He was before Bubba. He was before Devon. Yeah. I can't remember if he was before Dances With... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Rival the FBI. Um, I mean, I think he was two or three. I think he was he was yeah, number he was, two or number three. He was definitely early doors. But, um. But yeah. Wow. Well, he's um. Again. Done great, and uh, yeah, just um, like I said, they they won the match. It's exactly expect. It's carnage. It's entertaining. Exactly like you expect these guys. So, not a bad match. It's just a Dudley's New Jack Spike match. It's it's wild. It's it's fun. But I feel um, the promo before and the promo after, especially, is is the story with with all this. So obviously, once the Dudleys win, they get on the mic and basically say um, they they've um, they're dragging New Jack in the ring. They hit him with a chair. Do the free commandments, you know, thou shall not fuck with the Dudleys after all this. Bubba then grabs a the mic, runs down all the teams they split up, the eliminators, the gangsters, so they broke Sandman's neck, broke Bueller's neck. Um they mentioned he, 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 he. Yeah, yep. mentioned R V D and Sabu. So there's one team that they need to beat to sort of cement themselves the greatest of all time. They called out the super destroyers. Um <laughs> And they call that um, they call that public enemy, which obviously you know, 
who many could question started this whole table thing. So it's it's big. The big shout out to them, regardless of what they've done in other feds and how it's gone. Yep. The idea of public enemy returning to the ECW arena to battle the Dudleys is a big deal at this point. Yes. Not as big as the Super Destroyers, but it is big. And uh, yeah, they just leave it as that. They just leave it out there to come to the arena. So obviously that's fast approaching. So we'll find out what happens with that and how well that sort of works. As I feel they were building this... um, I just just feel like there's a really big ECW card that didn't happen. Yeah. You know? Like a really massive sort of almost the, the generational card that just didn't quite emerge, you know? But, um, yeah, so they say that, which is good. So, we're five months away at this point from... No, where are we? We're January, aren't we? Yeah. This... Uh, we're eight months away from um, uh, the Dudleys going to WWE. Oh, wow. That's crazy. August. Shit, so they must be pretty much done after heat wave. Can't be far off heat wave if they're done. Yeah. That's insane. Like I said, everything's just happening so fast with all this. It's it's incredible. It really is. Um, We're getting RVD hype video. He's up next. Basically, it's Lance Storm versus RVD for the title. Lance Storm cuts a great promo. This is the infamous, I'm not the whole effing show, I'm just the best damn part of it line for yeah. Lance, which I think is great. Yep. Yep. Um, I was there for that one. Th- this match is um, everything you'd imagine it to be. I mean, it's a vast improvement from their, you know, barely legal match. These two have just grown. I say grown together in the sense that they're just, they're coming to their own. And um, yeah, loving it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, uh, an incredible uh, match. The incredible chemistry between them. Um, you know, they've they've been two people that have been putting on, you know, hard stealing matches um, for a while now. Um, so yeah, them coming together and clicking. Um, you know that you know as 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 a makeshift match as well as a. You know, we we can't give you the two matches we promised, so we'll throw this one together. Uh, crazy, crazy how good, crazy how how um, how good this match is, just in a you know however many hours notice match. Which is is funny because basically how they ended up meeting in the first pay per view. We, we yeah. can't, can't give you the match you want, so we're going to throw this one together. So it's a it's a weird. Sort of twist of fate that it seems to merge a few times this way with them, but never complaining. Um, no, not at all. Yeah, no surprise. RVD wins. I mean, we know his title reign goes on for a long period of time, so he wins. But uh, yeah, fantastic match. This one. Next up, we have the just incredible Tommy Dreamer hype video before their match. In my head, all I could hear is my pain. It's self-chosen. Obviously, we don't get that on the um, 
the network. But I if only it. we did. I remember just like the whole, the intro just going on for ages and then just almost putting in footage that wasn't required just to get that line in <laughs> before doing it on like every um, event. But um, yeah, vintage uh, Tommy Dreamer sort of build-up song. So uh, Yeah, I mean, you're, you're just missing him sitting in the dark dropping candle wax on his fists, aren't you really? Yeah, so, yeah, love that. Oh, yeah, Justin Incredible versus Tommy Dreamer, Stairway to Hell match. Exactly. Numbers massively against Dreamer here. Justin Incredible seems to come out with everyone and anyone. Yeah, so Jazz is with him, Nicole Bass is with him, Jason's with him. Um, and then obviously later down the line, his uh, his mentor gets involved. Yeah. Um, I, I, not a bad match. Good couple of spots. Um, interesting enough. Um, the 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 story of the match is that Tommy Dreamer is a fucking idiot. Yeah, in, in a roundabout way. So it's a stairway to hell match. So the Singapore cane is hung above the ring and whoever gets it can use it. Now, this is an age old trope and we know that. And it's one that's been round and round and round. I do feel it is a better used um, step if you don't use everything, every kind of weapon imaginable before the Singapore cane, which means you kind of the impact of someone getting their hands on the Singapore cane. Yeah. Um, by the time they get the Singapore cane down, they've used chairs, they've used weapons, they've used the ladders, they've used, they've used, they've used. And you're kind of sitting there kind of going, you know, what what is it that the Singapore cane's going to do for you that everything else hasn't done? And this is made an even more kind of questionable thing when Tommy Dreamer gets the Singapore cane, but then chooses just not to use it. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's strange. I mean, Dreamer is like, so super giving in ECW that I feel like, yeah, it's almost, it's sort of detriment. You know, I just feel, I understand exactly why he's doing it, but I just, I just, you know, he just sort of sacrificed himself a lot. And it's, it's very, you notice it more watching it back, sort of how much he did sort of give. I know we sort of take the piss from time to time about him stealing moves, but he does, you know, <laughs> no, but he, he's, he is sort of, he really does sort of throw it out there and take the punishment and let people. Yeah. And, know, and, not necessarily for the point of the story or for the point of, I, I think that's one of the kind of the, the, the frustrations is, you know, these, that there, there's a lot of things here that probably should breathe for a little longer than it is. And it's an ECW trait. It's not just Tommy dreamer. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I struggle with the believability. Um, if, you're telling me that he can get up after a hellacious chair shot or whatever else, but a slap from an old man kind of knocks him out for 
a long time kind of thing and it's it's that kind of like you know where's the where's the the scale that, that we're working on here um but he is he's, he's he's incredibly willing to to and this again is one of the criticisms we've had on ecw now and again sometimes these things shouldn't be quite as uh 50 50 as they are not necessarily this one because you know what you've done with just incredible is amazing what you're trying to get him to do is amazing so you know that makes sense um but it's it yeah it's one of them um a little bit more chicken shit heel from just incredible a little bit more killer instinct from tommy dreamer and i think this is a an even better match. And it's not a bad match in any way, shape or form, but I think it's an even better match with, with kind of small tweaks to the psychology. Yeah. I mean, I know, um, dreamer will be forever sort of tagged with Raven, but when, when I think dreamer in ECW, I always think just incredible. Yeah. You know, because it was, it yeah. was, I don't know if it was more of a 50, 50 feud, but I felt it had the ability to be more of a 50, 50 feud. So, I, I feel like these two were the the better ECW dance partners than, say, Raven and Dreamer. Even though the, the, the Raven Dreamer story might have been more compelling in its backstory, I felt these two always had that. You know, if I had to pick his ECW, I'd, say that, I'd put Raven with Sandman more than Dreamer. Yeah. You know? I think I, I think that's the thing, and I think that you know the the way it came through was one thing, and you know how how important they were to each other, you know, in finding them each other. I think was was one thing, yeah. but um, I think in regards to in regards to that feud, and in regards to that, you know, what what made them happen. Um, yeah, I'd agree that I think Sam and Raven's the better feud, and I think Tommy Dreamer and Justin Credible's probably the better feud. Yeah, no, it's just got a um, good vibe to it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, so yeah, Funk does come out. Sort of, um, Justin Credible wins. He kills him with a trash can, and um, yeah, it, it's clearly trying to set up a Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk feud that doesn't necessarily materialise. But um, yeah, it's a shame because it's headed in it's headed in a good direction. Again, we'll see how it unfolds and see what doesn't happen because you know weren't necessarily aware because you weren't really watching the TV at this time. So it'd be interesting to see where this goes, yeah. and where this doesn't go, uh, whether it be injuries or whatever. Deal with it. Um, main event next, but we get interviews before. So see Taz walks in there and he's like, "Taz, tonight's the night." And he's like, "Yeah, tonight's the night." Mike Cameron Taz, Mike Cameron Taz, don't need you. He's like, Douglas, tonight's a night. Um, beat me if you can, survive if I let you, kind of thing. Which I thought was quite funny. Yeah. Um, he got it across. He's basically just pissed off. Like, he expects Taz to be, and he's ready to just go win the belt. Cuts to Shane Douglas, who's then got his other approach. And before talking about Taz, he's straight away like, Sid, because another big player's coming to take my belt. Another big player now who's got. Impact player. Yeah, and it's good because... They, they've, they've drilled that impact player line like ridiculously over the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hurting me slightly how smashing in the face they are with impact player. And um, which is crazy because they are very, very close to having impact players. 
Yeah, they're, they're very near. Um, yes, I, I found it interesting the fact that obviously he's he's still worried about Taz, but now he's just like, great, another person comes in now, wants this from me, gets his famous, it's my belt, it's my belt. It's my belt, it's my belt, it's my belt. It's amazing how um, I don't know whether so many of these lines are iconic to me because they're iconic or iconic to me because, as you said, first experience of a full uncut. And at the point where we got the video of this one unedited, you know, it had the original music, it had the crowd noise, it had all of that. Um, You know, there weren't copyright strikes at that point. Um, Just mental kind of like, you know, all of this, I remember just being electric. Exactly. It's like, and this is a big deal, like, seeing this is, this is sort of the first Taz match that we'd seen in, like, proper Taz. We'd seen, obviously, a little bit in 97, like, very brief moments. But this is, like, the first sort of Taz, sort of Shane Douglas. I've got, like, massive fond memories yeah. of this whole sort of situation. Um, yeah, so we get the match. It, it, it's gritty. It goes around the crowd. Um, do I think it went a little bit too long? Yes. I I I wasn't happy that it went into the crowd. Neither of these are players that I are wrestlers that I think of. Yeah, it's a crowd brawl. Into the crowd and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. They don't necessarily need to um, to go in the crowd. They spent a lot of time in the crowd as well, which again isn't yeah. necessarily necessary. But I just kind of felt like they, they wanted it to be a longer match. They took it into the crowd because they felt like if he was in the ring, Taz would sort of um, um, just kill it. Shane Douglas isn't quite fit. He's he's not quite fit. He's still. You know, he's got the broken wrist still. He's still got injuries. He's still not 100%. There's a lot of McGubbins in this match to try and distract from the fact that Shane Douglas isn't quite fit. Um, and I think the into the crowd and, and round the houses and all the rest of it. And it's been a long time since we've seen the ECW loop. Um, uh, but yeah, that that was the impression I got was it's, it's, it's all... Um, the Gaga to try and distract from the fact that, you know, it's not fit. Yeah, basically. I mean, it was plagued with injuries at this point. Uh, coming back too early, potentially. You know, trying to do... I mean, obviously, this match should have happened like months ago, really. Wrestlepalooza. Yeah, and it's just sort of... You know, it's just sort of just feel bad because I felt like, obviously, the style and, like we said, coming back too early sort of caught up with Shane Douglas at this point. And it's, it's probably the most injury plagued of his career. Yeah. But um, like I said, he just came back too early because I think the feuds were there. The feuds were hot and he knew that people were leaving. So I think he kept trying to force himself back to try and get the triple threat. And I, I think I say about the Dudley boys, this and that, but I feel that's part of why the triple threat would never really, you know, because they would never let loose as a crazy sort of stable. They always no. they were held back slightly and that's not, an insult to them because, but I just, I just feel um, they were unlucky, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think the timing was never quite right. They were at their hottest when they reformed. Yeah. 
um, turned on Taz, turned on Lance Storm. Um, but yeah, just just never quite got it together, did they? They were never all just fully fit at the same time, it didn't feel like. And it was it was sad, really, because, you know, what could have massively been. Uh, we do get Sabu return, epic return, after his, um, he's, he's been away for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, was it two weeks? Or was it a week of TV that he missed? A week of TV that he missed. Um, he's back. The thing is, I don't even know if it's a week, because this would have been... <laughs> The TV would have been the like... Sunday, <laughs> the Thursday or the Friday. <laughs> he had a neck brace on. I mean, you know, and and he had a neck brace on, and then went and, and fought roadkill and stuff. Um, uh, so he, he, yeah, he uh, came out to shit ton of fireworks. I like I said, I remember watching this at the time because uh, obviously we did, but I didn't know the the time scales. I assumed to be out for like months. I really did. Yeah. I thought this is like, oh my god, Sabu's back. Not, you know, Taz taking him out of the pay per view stolen match, but Sabu's at the fucking pay per view in the match in his gear, able yeah. to wrestle. Like, why is he not in the match? Or at least in a message saying, "Yeah, I'm all right. I'm not actually out. He hasn't taken me out. He just sort of lied and said he did." And where's his? Yeah, I mean, you know, as as managers yeah. go, and I'm a big fan of what Bill Alfonso does. But it feels like he's just let that one slide. That one, that one feels like he should have been awake to the fact that his client and friend has been screwed out of a match, and still is actually in the building and, and able to 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 do this. So and yeah, in the last four weeks, has victories over Taz and over Shane Douglas. Yep. So even less reason to be taken out of this match. Yep. Um, FMW champ, um, FTW champion. Yeah, he let's say for instance, just like two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so he's there, uh, comes out, beats people up, it goes on. So, what was Sabu's tactics here? I just think he just wanted to, um, sort of fuck shit up a bit. So I don't really know. He just got tables involved, and if you have a little um... ran out, beat them both up, went away. Basically, yeah. Didn't didn't cost either of them match. Didn't swing the favour in any sort of way. Oh. Could have done this really at any point. Oh yeah, the whole situation didn't need to be in the match. Could have been before the match. Could have been after the match. So weird, but um, yeah, so that that happened. Sabu returns, Chris Candido returns. Yep, triple uh, Shane Douglas throws up the triple threat sign. Francine knows nothing about this, disliked that, um, disliked the fact that they had a triple threat backup plan that Francine knew nothing about. Uh, I, I felt that was disingenuous, um. And then, um, yeah, Candido arrives to to make the safe, wearing a triple threat T-shirt. So you know he's on board. Yeah, and um, it promptly clocks Shane Douglas again. So Tammy Linsich runs in. Yeah. Francine starts pushing Tammy Linsich for some reason. Uh, they have a little bit of a cat fight. Francine gets carried out. 
and then Candido kind of comes in, and then that's the the the, the smash and the fight. Uh, again, I don't know why Tamilin Sitch is, is anywhere near it. Didn't need to be, other than you know you can say she's on the pay per view. Um, she's hyped up the pay per view for a week. She's the guiltiest. She has. Card, so it's very weird. For she, her not just to like be. her body. Yes. I would have just even used her to start off the pay per view and just continue the promo video or something. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, so she came out, um, did that. Yeah. Candido clocked him. Taz won. Yeah, it was a lot of, of MacGuffin. I didn't think it needed it. I, I think Taz, I mean, Taz, last time they fought, Taz beat him in like two minutes. I, I felt it didn't have to be that. But but Taz, yeah, he could have just beaten Shane Douglas and it could have led to him falling out of Candido on the, on the TV or something. Or, you know, the match just could have been the match. You know, he still yeah. had an injured Shane Douglas that sort of we still technically had Candido with the assist for Taz to win. And I don't think Taz needed that. But uh, it doesn't take away from still a massive moment, uh, arguably the biggest sort of title switch they'd sort of done with him winning the world title. I mean, yeah. this is years in the making. Uh, Taz uh, was the guy at this point. It was the right choice to give him the belt. And... Yep. Um, I feel he was the best person to say combat an Austin as a champion. He's he's that sort of if you like Austin, you're sort of gonna love Taz sort of situation. I I get it all. Different style matches, but same kind of gritty. Yeah, oh, similar with, with Goldberg, that kind of like killer. Yeah. Um exactly. There's 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 enough there that it makes sense for him to be, you know, he he's the baby face, but he's not a baby face. He's that tweener kind of face as well. So everything is just, I thought, yeah, perfect choice. Yeah, I just, I, I, I felt it was a little bit weird and lazy how they got there, especially with Sabu then coming back straight after. Um, I don't, I, I think there's other ways that they, you could have done that and and got where it needed to be, um, and. And I do think he's lost a little bit of momentum from where he was. You know, they should have pulled the trigger. Hindsight being twenty twenty, uh, knowing Al Snow wasn't going to be around, knowing Shane Douglas was going to be injured, um, I, I think you could, uh, you should have pulled the trigger. It was at Wrestlepalooza. You could have had Shane Douglas come back and chase at this point. It could be a unification title. This is the belt I never lost. This is my ECW championship, not that knockoff whatever you've been carrying around. Yeah. Um, anything like that? No, I agree. Um, we we talked about you know how Taz could have used that to create the FTW champion. You know this isn't this isn't the real belt because I've not beaten the champion for the belt. This is you know the FTW championship until I can combine it with the real one. Anything like that? It just all. It it I I, I was I was satisfied with the ending. I do think it's the biggest title shift so far. Um. But yeah, it just wasn't. It, it, it could have been more if they they kind of hit it when it was hot. I think. Yeah, no. Even if it was November, even if it was November to remember, I don't think they needed to build up the 
they could have done it in a way that you, I, I mean, he could have suplexed Sabu out of the ring and then sat in the transmission, won it in November or something um, and, and played it through that way. I, I don't think you needed it in that sort of way. Um, yeah, massively agreed. It was, um, that's it was needed, but yeah, there was just, there's a different routes that I imagine we could have taken it. Coming out of this, you felt that you're wanting Candido versus Douglas that we don't get until XPW and you feel like you're wanting Funk versus Dreamer that we don't get until 2011. So you kind of feel, obviously, I want to see how it unfolds, but it's just weird that we don't necessarily yeah. get the two sort of big payoff matches. So we've not played this in a while, but Triple Threat explodes. Yeah. So we've got Candido versus Shane Douglas. Yeah. Face or heel? Um, what, Candido or? Either, both. I mean, are they both heels feuding? Are they both faces feuding? Candido... Is this a face turn for, for Shane Douglas? Yeah, Candido face on the night and gets the turn pop but he would be the lead heel and Shane Douglas would become the face, I reckon. I think it's... Because um, Shane Douglas basically goes into face from here on anyway, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. And and that's the thing. It's trying to work through. I, so how do you... You know, what exactly in that has turned Shane Douglas' face apart from the fact that he's no longer the champion? Um what exactly in that has turned Francine face, assuming she stays with Shane Douglas. It's, it's all very weirdly together. Yeah, no, massively. It's, um, it's a weird situation. Like I said, I'm, mm. I am fascinated to see how the fallout from this, which probably won't get for like another two, three weeks, but <laughs> um, I'm fascinated to sort of find out how it does unfold because it, yeah, you know, it, it's done the right thing. It's left a lot of questions that I still I feel need answering from a show that happened sort of twenty years ago. So I'm buzzing to find out that. But what people are excited about is to find out what your match of the week is. Um, uh, some good, strong challenges this week. Um. But um, uh, I'm going to be incredibly non-controversial and uh, pick what I think everyone picked as their match of the show, uh, which is um, Tajiri versus Super Crazy. Oh, great choice. I like that. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that was a really great match. Um, it is a great match. There were a good few choices on this one, so... Um, uh, Credible versus Tommy Dreamer wasn't bad. Uh, RVD versus Lance Storms, really, really good. Um, but Tajiri versus Super Crazy for me was just a good standout, a, a level above. I like that. So, obviously, we'll be posting it on social media as the week goes on. That is Jay's pick of the week. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can at underscore sports arena on Twitter, Instagram. That's where we're talking all things extreme, and maybe a little bit of WrestleMania, because that's still a thing. Um, 
yeah, we'll be back next week. I think we're heading to episode 200 next week. Are we there? Or um, I think it's 300. 300, yeah. yeah. So I mean 300. So, it, so we should have a Mount Rushmore. It's in that kind of, yeah, area. Um, our new Mount Rushmore. We, we might be, yeah. And obviously, you know, that's the... The beginning of the new year, we've we we haven't reflected back on 1998 yet because we knew that the Rushmore was very close at hand. Yeah, so um, there's a lot to discuss on the next one. So looking forward to that. Thank you as always. A like, subscribe, share, comment, get involved in all things ECW with us. And uh, yeah, we're we'll back next week for more extreme rewind. So cut that.